just like with vaccine-induced immunity, you can get boosters that will strengthen your immunity. With natural immunity, repeated exposures act as boosters and they strengthen your immunity as well. So if you are exposed to COVID-19 after being infected and building an immunity to it, those subsequent exposures are going to act as boosters and strengthen your immunity. Another thing you can do theoretically to strengthen your immunity is to also get vaccinated on top of having natural immunity. Vaccines won't necessarily prevent all or even most infections. So even before the vaccines came out, even before we knew how effective they were going to be against any variants, this person was trying to make the argument that we should not get our hopes up too high because it was unlikely that the vaccine was going to be 100% effective. The statements I make on this podcast are for educational purposes only. My statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. Therefore, the statements I make are not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All of the information I share is simply for informational purposes only. You should always consult with a licensed healthcare professional before you start taking a new vitamin, supplement, medicinal herb, or conventional medication. You should also get professional advice before you start a new exercise program or if you suspect that you might have a health problem. Knowledge is power. I hope you use the information I share with you to seek the best care for yourself and the people you love. Thank you for listening. I stated pretty clearly in a previous episode that the vaccine failed. And my reason for saying that is because the vaccine failed to prevent infection with the Omicron variant. And obviously, when I say the vaccine, I'm talking about the vaccines, plural, that were recently developed for SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19. So there was an article from May 22nd, 2020, where they talk about the fact that people might overestimate the power of the vaccine. So I want to get into that a little bit. This article defends the vaccine technology and it explains better why we can't rely on vaccines to prevent the illness 100%. Now, I never expected the COVID vaccine to have 100% efficacy, but I think the poor performance of the vaccine when it came to Omicron is why I just flat out said it failed because you can't call them all breakthrough infections if like everyone's getting sick, you know? And we already knew that Omicron was a milder variant than some of the previous ones. When I hear the argument that fewer people were hospitalized and fewer people died despite the fact that they were infected, I think, well, that was probably going to happen anyway because Omicron was already less severe of a variant than some of the previous ones. So anyway, I want to get into a little bit of the science behind why we can't expect 100% efficacy from vaccines, and this article does a good job of explaining that. So it is called, The World Needs COVID-19 Vaccines. It May Also Be Overestimating Their Power, and this is by Helen Branswell, and it was published May 22nd, 2020 on stat.com. I will include the link. With a little luck and a lot of science, the world might, in the not-too-distant future, get 
get vaccines against COVID-19, but those vaccines won't necessarily prevent all or even most infections. Okay, so clearly this article was written prior to any of the vaccines coming out, and I think that is a good way to look at it. So even before the vaccines came out, even before we knew how effective they were going to be against any variants, this person was trying to make the argument that we should not get our hopes up too high because it was unlikely that the vaccine was going to be 100% effective. Back to the article. In the public imagination, vaccines are often seen effectively as cure-alls, like inoculations against measles. Okay, so I admit that when they talk about COVID-19 vaccination, I think of an inoculation like measles or, you know, any of the other vaccinations that we get as a child that prevent us from getting those really bad illnesses. Rather than those vaccines, however, the COVID-19 vaccines in development may be more like those that protect against influenza, reducing the risk of contracting the disease and of experiencing severe symptoms should infection occur. Okay, so they're saying it's not 100% effective, but it does seem to lessen the symptoms and prevent deaths. We all recognize that flu vaccine in a year when it's efficacious, you have what? 50% protection, and in a year when it's poor, you have 30% or less than that, and we still use the flu vaccine. Ideally, vaccines would prevent infection entirely, inducing what's known as sterilizing immunity, but early work on some of the vaccine candidates suggest they may not stop infection in the upper respiratory tract, and they may not stop an infected person from spreading virus by coughing or speaking. So, I mean, if we know that this is an illness that infects the upper respiratory tract first, and then it can, you know, move lower in your respiratory tract, and it can also spread to other body systems and organs and all of that. But we know that it usually enters the body through the respiratory tract, and it infects the upper respiratory tract first. A recently released study in which macaques were vaccinated with one vaccine candidate, this one being developed by Oxford University and AstraZeneca, showed the primary mates were protected from COVID-induced pneumonia, but the macaques still had high levels of virus replicating in their upper airways. So basically, they're trying to say like pneumonia would be a deeper infection in the lungs, and the AstraZeneca vaccine showed that it could protect the macaques, you know, those monkeys that I've mentioned. It protected them from getting pneumonia, but it did not protect them from infection in their upper respiratory tract, so they were still producing virus and shedding virus from their upper respiratory tract, even though they did not develop a deeper infection, which would be labeled as pneumonia. One scientist who conducted the study said a vaccine could mitigate the severity of the COVID-19 pandemic and therefore would still be a significant contribution in a world struggling to coexist with a dangerous new virus. If we push the disease from pneumonia to a cold, that would be a huge step forward, according to Chief of the Virus Ecology Unit at National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases in Hamilton, Montana. The rush to develop vaccines means that ideal solutions may be out of reach in the immediate term, but scientists anticipate seeing second-generation vaccines that could be more productive, and that's something that I mentioned in a previous episode as well, that there are better vaccines coming. Some 
scientists are cautious about how much the world can expect from vaccines against COVID-19. One epidemiologist at Harvard School of Public Health thinks that achieving sterilizing immunity with a vaccine will not be possible for COVID-19. Experience with human coronaviruses and with multiple pathogens that cause colds shows immunity that develops after infection with respiratory tract infections is not lifelong. So they're trying to say that natural immunity is not going to last your entire lifetime. In some cases, the duration is measured in months, not years. Okay, so I want to jump in here and say that that is true. Immunity will wane over time, whether it's natural immunity or vaccine-induced immunity. But just like with vaccine-induced immunity, you can get boosters that will strengthen your immunity. With natural immunity, repeated exposures act as boosters and they strengthen your immunity as well. So if you are exposed to COVID-19 after being infected and building an immunity to it, those subsequent exposures are going to act as boosters and strengthen your immunity. Another thing you can do theoretically to strengthen your immunity is to also get vaccinated on top of having natural immunity. But like I stated in a previous episode, the current vaccine does not actually offer that much more protection than natural immunity. Natural immunity gives you like an incredible amount of protection and then the additional protection from the vaccine on top of natural immunity is really not that much more. But evidence does show that there is some additional protection from vaccination. Now that is evidence as of March 2022. Obviously things are constantly changing so we will try to stay on top of it. If infection with natural coronaviruses doesn't do it, I don't think that we should necessarily expect or have the anticipation that we'll be able to get there with the vaccine. So basically this doctor is saying that if you're not going to get lifelong immunity from natural exposure from being infected with these coronaviruses, whether it's the one that causes COVID-19 or the one that causes one of the common colds, it's unlikely that you're going to get lifelong immunity from a vaccine. Trying to develop vaccines that confer sterilizing immunity, you know, the kind of immunity where you do not get sick at all would be a heavy lift with this coronavirus. So instead, they decided to focus on protecting the vulnerable people against pneumonia and protecting healthcare workers as well. I've already mentioned AstraZeneca. Now they're going on to talk about the Moderna vaccine. So at this point, back in May of 2020, they were talking about how Moderna was developing a vaccine that would give neutralizing antibodies to the virus, and neutralizing antibodies would protect against severe disease. But scientists said they wouldn't be surprised if neutralizing antibodies didn't protect against infection in the upper airways. And like I said, based on their experiments on the macaques, it prevented a deeper infection, a pneumonia, but it did not prevent infection in the upper airways. So one scientist was suggesting that we should be setting public expectations of what the vaccine would be able to do 
do, and those expectations should fall more closely in line with the flu vaccine than the measles vaccine. The scientist basically said it would not be helpful if the type of perception that exists about flu vaccines that they don't work very well sets in with COVID-19 vaccines. People don't credit flu vaccines for what they prevent. They deride flu shots for not protecting them on the occasions when they contract influenza, even though they have been vaccinated. And that's true. People feel like if we're getting vaccinated, then we should not get sick. If you get vaccinated and still get sick, it kind of feels like, why did I put those chemicals in my body? And I think the argument that they're trying to make is that the chemicals, the vaccine, even though it might not have prevented an infection, it is preventing a worse infection. I mean, maybe overall, statistically speaking, there's a percentage of people who really benefit from being vaccinated even if they still get sick. But I know if I get vaccinated and still get sick, I have an attitude. Like, I'm I'm not happy with that. I don't look at it and say, oh, okay, well, that probably prevented me from getting much, much sicker. No, I don't want to get sick at all if I'm vaccinated. And according to these scientists, that is not a realistic expectation to have. Basically, you should have the expectation that if you're vaccinated, you might still get sick. So the fact that the macaques in this study were vaccinated and then they were also infected and had the virus in their upper airways was kind of viewed with dismay by some people, but this scientist noted that the animals were infected with large doses of virus. Whether the same would be true in people remains to be seen. So basically, it's kind of like I was talking about where if you are immune, let's say you've been vaccinated or you've been infected before. Either way, your body has some level of immunity and is able to recognize the virus. There is still a chance that you could get sick if you are exposed to a heavy, heavy load of virus. So like if you're in a small space, like say a car and the windows are closed and there's someone in there that's just shedding a lot of virus and you're not getting any fresh air, you're just surrounded by a lot of COVID-19 virus, then even if you have some level of immunity, you're more likely to get sick and you're more likely to get much sicker if you are exposed to a lot of virus. So they're trying to make the argument that these monkeys were exposed to a lot of virus and that's why they still got sick. The scientist goes on to say we can't leave all the messaging until we know how good the vaccines are. They wanted to get the message out that they weren't going to prevent all infection but they were going to prevent disease. So even though people might still be infected and you know shedding virus they shouldn't be getting sick or they shouldn't be getting as sick. Some experts hope that even if the vaccines don't prevent infection in the upper airways, they may reduce the amount of virus a vaccinated person generates and admits. And, I mean, they never proved whether that was actually true, but I think a little bit of common sense would tell you that if you're not completely overloaded and succumbing to the virus, then your body is probably producing less and shedding less virus. But that's probably. The CEO of International AIDS Vaccine Initiative, which is working to develop an orally administered COVID-19 vaccine, said hopefully it would diminish, although we don't know this, the levels of replication on the mucosal surfaces. So this scientist is hoping that the vaccine would lessen the amount that the virus is replicating on 
your mucosal surfaces. So that would be like, you know, in your nose, like your mucous membranes, basically. So they're trying to lessen the amount of virus that is made in the body with the vaccine. And by administering the vaccine orally, this might improve the vaccine's capacity to protect the mucous membranes of the upper airways. And I talked a little bit about this in the episode on better vaccines that are being produced and how administering the vaccine to the area that is likely to be infected seems to have some additional benefits because it doesn't have to travel through the muscle, through the bloodstream to get to the area that is likely to be infected. It would just be given right there. So that would be the benefit of like a nasal spray or an orally administered vaccine. Another potential upside to COVID-19 vaccines that don't stop infection and transmission is that they might provide low-level circulation of virus that could act as a natural booster to keep people's immunity levels high. So what they mean by that is that if we are lessening the amount of virus that's circulating, then people won't get as sick and instead the exposures will act as boosters like I explained already. Instead of getting you sick, it will just boost your immunity because it gives your immune system a little reminder, a little wake-up call like, hey, remember this pathogen? Well, it's still around, so you're still going to need to protect me from it. So if this was true, then you wouldn't necessarily have to keep going and getting a vaccine every year. You could rely on some level of natural exposure as long as all the people who are at particular risk have been given the opportunity to be vaccinated. But there's a little bit of the problem. It's a little bit sobering to see that while we may get protection against disease and protect people from getting sick, we may not get nearly as effective protection against transmission. And this means that to protect the population, we're going to have to be vaccinating many, many more people because we can't rely on getting to a lot of people and having the epidemic die out through herd effects. Okay, at this point in the pandemic, we are never going to get to a point where this virus is going to die out. It is going to be with us forever and that is why it is considered endemic at this point. So thankfully, the strain of COVID-19 that was able to get through the vaccine happened to be a less deadly strain anyway, but it still is giving people some level of immunity, at least for now. So let's just hope that a future strain is not going to be more deadly and render our natural immunity useless. All we can do is hope. We don't know. And we also don't know whether any future vaccines are going to be any more effective than the ones that have been developed so far. I wish we could compare data from all of the vaccines. In this episode, I just mentioned AstraZeneca and Moderna. And like I said, this article was from May of 2020. So this was actually before these vaccines even rolled out. But I did not mention the Johnson Johnson vaccine. And we know that that one had some problems. I think AstraZeneca had some problems too. Moderna seemed to have the least amount of problems and I haven't really gotten into the fundamental differences between these vaccines but it is important to have a basic understanding of what the vaccine is and what you can expect from it. Now at this point understanding everything I do for me personally I would not get a vaccine or a booster right now. I know that there are 
inherent risks and I don't think the benefit is enough to make it worth it. Now that might change when new variants come out or when new vaccines come out, but for me right now in March 2022, I'm not getting vaccinated. But I do appreciate the information so that I can continue to make informed decisions for my health and that's the reason I'm sharing the information with you so that you have a better understanding of the vaccine, of what was expected from the vaccine, and you can make an informed decision on whether you think it's right for you and the people that you love. Thank you so much for listening.